Well, good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. If you're here for the first time, thanks for showing up today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here, and we would love to meet you after the service. If you could just come down front and introduce yourself afterwards, we'd really appreciate that. So we're in the series called Better, and we're talking about what would life look like if it was better in 2016. And we've talked about how to know Christ better. We talked about how to have better generosity and not just be normal. Because the last thing we want to be is normal. So we thought, what if we did this series and we talked to people about how to be abnormal, how to be weird, how, how just to be different and have a better year? Because we're all thinking about the year that lies out in front of us and the things that we want to accomplish. And when we do that, if you don't get anything else, you need to understand this, that normal is the enemy of better. If you ever want to get to better, you can't just do what everybody else does. You can't just do what you've always done. And this series is really about how to not be normal. We want to create a church full of not normal people. Normal people set goals. Normal people have resolutions for a new year. Normal people look around in week seven or eight and think, now what was that I committed to? So how can you be better? How can you not just end up in the same old, same old, doing the same thing over and over and over again. So we're talking about how to take steps to have a better new year as it relates to our faith. Now, if I asked for a show of hands and said, who would like for life to be better? Probably everybody in here would go, well, yeah, I mean, I could take better. Even if life's awesome right now, I can always handle better. I mean, do you ever want to say, no, I don't want any better. I just, I'm okay where I am. We all want better. So everybody wants that. But what do you have to do to get there? You can take two people who had an identical background growing up, maybe experienced some very difficult things in life, maybe some abuse, maybe some things that, that they did, some made some big mistakes. And you can look at two people and one of their lives looked completely different than the other. One be a train wreck and the other somehow overcame whatever happened to them or whatever mistakes they made and they got through it. And they became all that God wanted them to be. What's the difference? Is it desire? It's probably not desire because most people want to get past bad things that happen. It's not desire because we all desire to be better. It's when desire turns into action. And if you want to get from normal to better, the desire you have to do something different or better or next level in life has to be matched up with action somewhere. So if you take the person that's overcome huge obstacles to become something in life, somewhere the desire to do that was matched with some action that they were willing to take in life. So life does not get better by chance, it gets better by change. If you would like your finances to be better in the new year, it's not just going to happen. You're not just going to look at the bank account one day and go, it just happened. I don't know, it just happened. You're not just going to walk in one day if you've been experiencing conflict at home and all the conflict gone. It's not just going to happen. It's going to take some effort and some energy and probably some change on your part in order for things to get better. And so the thing I'm talking about today that we want to get better at is something that won't just happen. It's something where you have to explore. You have to take a step. You have to take action. 
Not to just plan, not to just desire, but take action to do. So today I'm going to talk about steps that we can all take to discover our life's mission. Now you're not going to discover it in the next 25 minutes. You're not going to leave here in 25 minutes going, I know the mission of my life. It's perfect. I know it exactly. Got it all worked out. But what you are going to leave with are some steps that you can take so you can get to the end of this year and you can look back when we're thinking about 2017 and you're looking back and you're looking back through the year thinking, what happened in that year? And you'll be able to identify, I started to figure out and I started to internalize what God's mission was for me and is for me in my life. Wouldn't it be great if we all got there 12 months from now and it happened, that we discovered our mission, that we looked out at the world and said, this much must happen. One of 2015 heroes on CNN was, is named Maggie Doyne. And Maggie is a girl from New Jersey who spent her babysitting money to take a backpacking trip to Nepal. And when she took this backpacking trip to Nepal, she looked out at the poverty and said, it should not be this way. And so she took all the money she had saved, $5,000, she bought some land, and she developed this children's home. And she worked with the community, and she made a difference. She's still making a difference. She says this, if you had told me when I turned 18 that I was going to be the mom of 50 kids, I would have told you that you were totally crazy, and I am. Now she runs this children's home, a women's center, a community school. And she says, please remember that we all have the power to create the world we want to live in just as we want it. More than 20 years, Dr. Jim Withers practiced medicine in Pittsburgh on the streets, literally, because he offered free quality health care to homeless people. He wanted that to happen so much that he would sometimes dress up like a homeless person, get his hair dirty, rub mud on his face so he could earn their trust and start to help them get the medical care that they needed. And over 10,000 individuals have been helped with medical care. Over 1,000 of them have moved into permanent housing, all because Jim Withers looked at the world and said, it shouldn't be this way. He said, I was shocked to see how ill people really are in the street. Young, old, people with mental illness, runaway kids, women who fled domestic violence, and veterans. They all have their own story. And he's gone on to create a system where communities from around the world can look at what he's done and replicate that right where they are. They both looked out at the world and said, it shouldn't be this way. And that motivated them to action. It motivated them to do something better than what they were doing. We have been motivated like that as a church. A few years ago, I read a study from the American Church Growth Institute. And if you've been around LifePoint for a while, you've probably heard this number, 88%. What the American Church Growth Institute found out was in Wake County, North Carolina, and they did this in all large metropolitan areas across the country, 88% of the people in our county are not involved in a church. They don't have a church family. 88%. It's even higher in Orange County and higher, that's not a slam, and higher in Durham County. It even goes up. But 88% of the people in our county don't go to church. And so 
When I look at that and think 88% of the people aren't involved in an evangelical church and a church family that can help transform their lives, that shouldn't be. And you might think, well, wait a minute, we're kind of in the Bible Belt. How is it that that many people don't go to church? Only 12% of the people go to church? So I researched that a little bit because I was confused. And what I found out was uh, we're populated here uh, by a lot of people that move from the north. And uh, sorry, folks from the north, not trying to be offensive. It's just true. Uh, more unchurched people in the north, they move here. And, and now our little southern city is more unchurched. And so we see that number, 88%, and, and everything that we do as a church, I guarantee you somewhere behind the scenes, there was a meeting of some leaders that took place and we would ask the question, how does this make a difference in the 88% of the people? It's something that we have to be focused on. So whenever our time ends as leaders of this church, we can look back and say, we made a difference. It's no longer 88%. The number has gone down. So all of you have something in your life that you have to do. That Not, not just stuff you have to do, not like you know, put, t- turn the alarm clock off again, hit snooze again, go to work, uh, go do the same old thing, drive home in the same old car, go in the same old house, same old dinner, same old routine. Not that stuff you have to do. You have to do that. You created that. That's your thing. But something you have to do, something that burns inside of you that you have to do. And it's difficult because most of us live such busy lives that we think, well, what a luxury to be able to discern and explore what God's plan and hopes and dreams are for my life. What a luxury. I wish I had the time. In the book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, each morning when you wake up, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. It's true. As soon as our day starts, we can think, well, I want to do this. But then all of a sudden, all the day's things start coming at us, and before you know it, a week has gone by, and a month has gone by, and we're just doing the same old to-do list over and over and over again. That's what normal people do. But how could we be better? How could we not do what normal people do? What, what if every person in this room discovered the thing that you have to do? What if you discovered your Nepal or your Pittsburgh, or your 88%. What if you discovered that? I read that recently that our calling is where our greatest passion meets the world's greatest need. And we call that our mission. Every year we make sure we talk about what does it look like for me, for you, to discover your mission. We have a class that we teach every now and then called My Mission. We include it on a Sunday morning message like we're going to do today. How can you live on mission? For followers of Christ, and here's what you have to understand. If you're a follower of Christ and you want to live on mission and you see, well, this thing needs to be fixed, you have to understand nothing is really fixed if the gospel is not involved. Because you can fix hunger but if, if, if you've just fixed it for this little bit of time while somebody's on earth and they never hear about Jesus, you haven't really fixed anything. And so people who are followers of Christ, whatever your mission is, it must be motivated by the fact that the love of Christ changes lives. So whatever it is, you start to feel like, that's my mission, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's got to be 
put with, the message of Christ changes the world. There are a lot of good things you can do. You can go serve people and do good things, but if it's not motivated by and somehow connected to and pointing towards the fact that Jesus can let, help you live for eternity and he can give eternal life beyond whatever happens in this one, I mean, you've only invested in the time that the, someone's breathing while they're here on earth. Why not do something that goes beyond that, does the good things here to relieve hurting and suffering, but also points towards eternity? So when you're thinking about, well, what's my mission? Well, whatever it is, let it be motivated by the gospel because that's what makes a real difference. If you're taking notes, write this down. Discovering my mission is something I have to do. I mean, I have to put it on my to-do list. It has to be on there. Jesus actually had a mission. Jesus had a mission, and we know, well, Jesus' mission was to come to earth, uh, redeem all mankind through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's true, but how did he live that out? It's easy to say that and know and believe that's what Jesus came to earth for, but how do you live that out? It's not hard to come here and sit for an hour on Sunday morning. It's an hour, we make it fast. You're gonna even get to see the game kick off today. You're gonna be finished by then. And so it's not hard to dedicate that hour. But what's Monday morning look like? What kind of difference does this make on Monday morning? See, normal people just come to church and just sit here for an hour. People who wanna live better do something about it on Monday morning. And I think some people just don't, don't want to do anything about it, but most people, in fact, everybody here, I'm sure, if you don't live it out, you don't live it out because you don't know how, or because you've never thought about it or never been convicted to do it. So looking at the ministry of Jesus, we can see specifically what would Jesus have done on a Monday morning? How would it have looked outside of a, an event? There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. You can have that, you keep it, uh, you can borrow it, you can also read on the screens I read from Scripture. In the New Testament book of John, chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So what we read after this is something that Jesus had to do, because he could have got where he was going without walking through Samaria. He could have gotten there any way he wanted to. Jesus had a lot of transportation options teleportation. He could have strapped on a jetpack. He could have just projected his image up into the sky, not had to go anywhere. All those options were available to him, but he walked. And it says he had to go through Samaria. Now, if you're reading this in the first century, this sentence means a lot because Jews do not or did not associate with Samaritans. And so Jesus making the choice to walk through Samaria would have raised people's attention level. Like, why did he do that? I'm not sure. Why did he have to do that? And so when John writes this down and he's telling them the story of Christ, he makes a point to say, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And on his way through Samaria, he met up with somebody and we get to see, well, what would Jesus just do in a conversation day-to-day -day life? And it starts in John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God 
And who it is that asked you for a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, this is a big deal that Jesus is having this conversation. And she clearly moves from, okay, he's not talking about H2O. He's talking about something much deeper. Because she had an emptiness that if you read the rest of this conversation, you would see the emptiness that she was living with. Jesus tells her, go get your husband. She goes, well, I don't really have a husband. Jesus said, I know. You've had five. And the guy you're living with now is not even your husband. And he starts to have this conversation with her about right where she was in her life. And somewhere in that conversation, he reveals himself to this woman as the Messiah, as the one they had been waiting on. And then after this interaction, it says that she left her water jars there and went home. The reason she came there was to get water, but she left without them. Remember in the first week, we talked about leaving things behind. When you meet up with Jesus and you start to see what he has for your life, you will leave things behind. You'll leave them in the past and realize, I don't even need that anymore. This is what I've been looking for. And this lady is starting to discover who she is and what her mission is. And today, I hope you start to, to feel that, to start to feel a stirring inside of you that, yeah, I, th I think this is direction that I'm supposed to go. And if you've been coming and exploring faith and trying to figure out what Jesus is all about, just keep coming. Just keep listening to that voice inside of you or whatever is driving you to be here. Keep doing it. Don't stop because you're close. And he wanted her to be connected with him. And the because Jesus was living on mission, this lady got connected with him. So how did he do that? Well, it's really clear. There's, there's, there's some ways that Jesus let this lady know, this is what my mission is about. And when we look at this story in its entirety, you can see, well, what's Jesus' day-to-day mission about? And you have some blanks in your, uh, on your notes in your program today. And write these down as I give them to you, because you're going to want to refer back. So Jesus first had this mission to reach someone who is far from God. So if I'm going to develop a mission in my life, first I need to look at Jesus' mission. And what was it? It's to reach people who are far from God. So if I'm going to have a mission, I need to reach people who are far from God, because that's what Jesus did. This woman was a long way from God, and somehow he had a conversation with someone who was a long way from God in such a way that appealed to her in such a way that made her want to hear more. And then as he moved in the conversation, he restored her to God's plan for her life, which wasn't to have been married five times and living with the guy she's living with now. And he restored her to what he wanted her to be and what he created her to be. So if I'm going to have a mission, 
I've got to learn that I need to help restore people to God. There are people all around us just like her. But all they need is a conversation. Maybe their life is going down a road that's far less than what you had planned for them or what God had planned for them. And Jesus just simply has this gentle conversation and it restores her to God's plan for her life. And not only does Jesus stop there saying, I want to reach people and I want to restore people, he motivated her to reproduce what he had just done with her. He had reached her, he had helped her be restored, and then if I'm going to have a mission in my life and be able to look back and say, I've developed this God-given mission in my life, I need to help reproduce that mission in the lives of others so they can go reproduce that in the lives of others. She had to go do something. She didn't just walk away saying, well, that was a very nice conversation. I really enjoyed my time with Jesus. She did something. There was action that went with it. When she got back to her hometown, we don't know the first thing she did. Maybe she kicked the guy out. You know, maybe she went up and said, I just talked to Jesus and you gotta go. It's over. You're not using me anymore. You're not living here without commitment anymore. Hit the road. I don't know if she said that. I hope she did. Would have been nice if she did. But it does say that she said to the townspeople, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? Not, I met a man and he told me I was living in sin. I cannot believe, can you stay away from the well? There's some judgmental rabbi over there, stay away. However Jesus communicated with her, she ended up believing what he said and following him. And saying, he said, he told, he told me everything about me. And now my life is different. And he pulled her out of the depths of her sin. And then it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. And the people in the town ended up saying to her in this same story, we no longer believe because you told us. We believe in Jesus because we have seen for ourselves. A woman that had no theological training, could probably not open up and show, read this. She just went and said, you got to hear what happened to me. You've got to understand what just happened to me, and you've got to come and meet him yourself. And they did. And Jesus's mission was reproduced in her at that moment, because now she's reaching people who are far from God. They're being restored. And then they're reproducing that in the lives of others. So if we're going to move from normal people who just go to church to people who live better and live it out tomorrow morning and the next day and the next day, we've got to implement some of these practices of missional living into our lives. Now, it's not something that'll just happen today, but what if you took the next year and you started to implement missional practices into your life? They're listed in your notes. They, they spell out the word blessed. The first one is to begin with prayer. What if I start to start my day with prayer or, or start pivotal times in my life with prayer? Maybe you don't know how to pray. Just talk. Just talk to God. Just speak out loud. If you're driving, just drive to work with your eyes open and your mouth open and, and speak and talk to God. Acknowledge how uncomfortable it is, but begin with prayer. God, what do you have for me? Help me have interactions with you like the lady did at the well. 
God, show me what the needs are around me. The next thing, if you want to live with mission, is to listen. Listen to the needs and what's going on around you. You may be doing a lot of good things, but it's not what people need. There were generations of missionaries in this certain community in India, and they had served a few generations of missionaries had served there, and they just felt like they were not getting the traction they wanted to get. Although they went and they fed people and they helped them get clean water, they helped educate them, they taught them the gospel, but they just felt like this is a lot of effort and we're not getting a lot of traction. So one day they called the community leaders together so they could listen. They, want, they brought them together to say, what are the needs of your community? And what they heard was nothing like what they thought they would hear. They thought they would hear, well, we need more food, we need more water, we need more education for our kids, you know, we need more, uh, you know, we need better meals or whatever. That's what they thought they would hear. One community leader said, I know what we need, mailboxes. And they were like, mailboxes? Yes. This community has never had mailboxes. People can't get mail, and when you can't get mail and you don't have an address, you don't exist, and you're worthless. And if we could get these people mailboxes, they would start to feel like they are actually worth something. And so this mission group transferred what they were doing to trying to get mailboxes, and they ended up getting street addresses and mailboxes for this community, and it transformed the community all because they listened. They were doing a lot of good stuff, but when they really listened and said, oh, you just need a mailbox? That's pretty easy. Let's make that happen. And the people felt valued. Now, how much more open to the message of Christ do you think people are when they feel valued? It's a lot. And it made a difference. So listening will help get you there. The next thing is really easy. It's eat. That's a great missional practice. Like, there's something spiritual about that. Now, that may be counterintuitive to some of your goals for 2016, but eating like Jesus will help you learn to live on mission. How did Jesus eat? He ate with people he didn't know. He shared meals with people to build relationships. What if you started to do that? That is uncomfortable. I've done it. In 10 minutes, I've asked every question, we've talked about everything, and it's like, well, let's just go around the horn again and talk about it all again, and maybe this hour will be over, and you know, we can go on and be you know, not uncomfortable anymore. It's very uncomfortable to do that, but if you push through, that's a great way to start to develop relationships and start to live on mission. The next one is serve. Serve people. When you've listened, when you've gotten to know people, just start to serve. Look for ways to serve, simple ways, big ways, small ways. And the last part of this journey to live on mission is probably the most intimidating one, and that is share your story. Share your story in a way that lets people see what Jesus has done in your life. So all this lady did in this episode with the woman at the well was share what Jesus had done. What if you did that? What if you started to share your story of how Christ had rescued you from wherever you were to where you are now? If you're a follower of Christ, you have one. 
It may take you 30 seconds or 30 minutes, but share your story and watch what a difference it makes. Every time I've shared my story of my life, people think, okay, yes, definitely only God. There's no question about it. If you want to know that story, buy me a drink at Starbucks and I'll be glad to share it with you. But you have a story that'll make a huge difference in somebody else's life. Share it. See, normal people don't do this stuff. Normal people just come to church and go home, come to church and go home, live life, come to church, go home. But people who say, I want things to be better, I, want, I don't want things to be the way they are, those are the people that discover their mission. Those are the people that find Nepal. Those are the people that find Pittsburgh. Those are the people that read a number and say, it shouldn't be that way. Just imagine if all of us did that. There's a couple at our church that did one of our My Mission classes and loved it. And, and I asked them, hey, could you just share your story for a couple of minutes on video? And they, they said, yes, we'd love to. So here it is. This is Charles and Bernetta sharing their story. I'm Bernetta. I'm Charles. And, and we're the Williams. <laughs> and we've been attending LifePoint for two years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have gotten involved in the My Mission Class. class. Yes. And when we went to the class, uh, my mission, mm -hmm. uh, what we were looking for is how we could sort of get started and really live in the type of life that Jesus would have us Absolutely. to live. I, I think for such a long time, it seemed like we were sort of skating on, on the surface. Uh, and, you know, I think that was seemed to be okay for a while, but we really started to think you know, that there was something more that we should be doing uh, to live the type of life that Jesus would have us to live. That's not something that we had ever heard before, at least I had never heard before, living on mission and being a, being a Christ follower. And that was exciting for us to be able to come in here and, and find out some more about how do we do that? How do we live on mission? I think earlier I, I, I saw the church as the destination, just some place to go, uh, you know, and, and that was the focal point of my faith. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you go to church, you, you hear the sermon, you, you know, you, you're blessed by whatever words that, that you hear, and then you go back home again. And you, know, you have another six days before you go back to church again. But now I see church as much more than that. It's not just a place that you, you go. It, it is a way to, to find out how you can live your life in a way that's, that's pleasing to God. So you can you can live a Jesus mission, not just on Sundays, uh, but every day, in your everyday life. One of the things that I'm ashamed to admit, we've been in our neighborhood for about 10 years. We really didn't know our neighbors, and that was one of the things that Donnie challenged us to do. Get out and know your neighbors, and we went, mm, okay. <laughs> and we have, and a new couple moved in right next door to us, and we were there, like the first weekend they moved in with cookies going, Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. And by the way, we have a really neat church called Life Point. And it was so cool because they had been to Life Point before, but they had kind of stopped. That very next Sunday, they were here. Mm -hmm. That's not something we would have normally have done. It would have been like, okay, new neighbors, that's nice. We'll just try to, you know, be good neighbors <laughs> and not bother them. Mm -hmm. But we're getting to know people. And we call that, uh, and, and you know, we, we call that our Jesus mission. So there's a lot of things that we do now uh, that maybe before was, was maybe bothersome and we didn't want to get involved with. Uh, maybe talking to an unpleasant co-worker co and you, you know they have tons of problems, you know. The minute you ask them something, they're going to they unload all this stuff on you. But we say, you know what, it is our Jesus mission. 
to be able to listen to that person and to be able to see what they need and see what we can help them with. Uh, so now a lot of things we say, even some things that maybe we rather not bother with, we say we're going to do it anyway because we're on mission. What if that was your story? What if that was all of our stories? You know what I think would happen? That 88% number of the people who don't go to church would go down. I think together, if our church, just imagine a church full of people that said, I'm living on mission. Not only are we making Sunday morning what we do better and more inspiring and more motivating to take a step beyond here and bigger and better, not only was that going on, but also it was a church full of people who said, I want to discover what God's mission for my life is. Where's the difference that I'm going to make? It might be in your family. It might be next door. It might be in your community or our city. But there's somewhere that you can take the message of Christ and make a huge difference. I hope you start implementing these practices in your life and watching how God reveals his mission for you as you do that. Let's pray. God, thank you for just revealing to us Jesus' mission. May we live that in our lives as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name.